Welcome to the old Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. If you're new around Downtown Harbor Church, you just need to know one thing, that we are the church with the worst announcements in town. And so, um, and boy, were they not brutal today. I mean, it felt like I was sitting up here for an hour listening to those things. Gosh, it was just a dreadful thing. Anyway, we are here, and um, I'm super excited to be having this new conversation with us all together collectively for the next five weeks called Lawless. And we are starting this five-week talk, conversation, series, whatever you want to call it, and why this is so important to me personally, why this is so key for me and my life and for all of us to understand this together is because this series is we're actually going to be taking a look um, at the DNA of Downtown Harbor Church, kind of why we are who we are, how we got to be who we are. Because some of you who've been coming for a long time, you may have never heard this before. And some of you, this might be a little bit of repeat information for, especially when we get into the church. But it's so important for all of us uh, to understand, hey, who are we together as a church and where are we collectively going? What are, some, what are some of the core things that you know, we kind of believe? And so throughout this series called Lawless, we're actually going to be looking at one book in the scripture, only one. Now, I've never done this before at DHC, which is why this is going to be so cool, because we're actually going to be taking a look at the six chapters in the book of Galatians, okay? And the book of Galatians is so key and so important to kind of who we are as a church and our DNA, and it's so key for all of us to understand about this book and what it means to kind of our future together as we collectively go about this whole process called church together, okay? So I want to talk to you about what the book of Galatians is, because it's important for us to understand that. The book of Galatians is a compilation of letters, okay? It's a compilation of letters that a guy by the name of Paul, letters written by Paul to this early church. So there was an early church people who were a part of the Jesus movement in this town called Galatia. And there was a guy by the name of Paul, and I'm going to talk about him in just a second, but this guy Paul wrote these people letters. And so this book is a compilation, these letters combined, to, for what Paul said to these people who were in these, this early church in this town of Galatia called the Galatians, okay? So I wanted to kind of give you context for where these people lived and what this was like, because some, sometimes we just think like, you know, these are just people and they're characters and they're fictional but this is, this is not. This is a real, a real like live people. And so here's a map, okay? I don't know who drew this map, but apparently they were like four or five. And so that was exciting. But I had to put it up here because I had to like give you context for you know where they were and where they lived and who they were, okay? So this town here called Galatia that you'll see is actually, don't miss this, is actually in what I would call modern-day Turkey. It's actually in northern Turkey, modern-day Turkey that you would know today. And if you know anything about the Mideast, there's conflict and there's stuff going on over there. But more than likely, you've heard of Turkey and where that's located at, okay? So the town of Galatia in ancient history was at the kind of the northern part of modern-day Turkey, okay? And so Paul wrote these people, this early church, people who were followers of the Jesus movement, who said, yes, I've heard of this event that happened, okay? And these letters were written approximately between 50, scholars kind of debate this, but between 50 and 70 AD after Jesus died and then resurrected, okay? So these letters were written about 50 to 70 years after Jesus walked the earth. And in Galatians 1.1, it says this, this letter is from Paul, an apostle, let me tell you about Paul, because some of you may have never heard of him before. Paul was a guy who was a religious, like, institutionalist of the time. He was a Pharisee. And so Paul, are those lights flickering? Like, I'm having ADD. You guys, like, I'm seeing pink and blue and stuff, right? You guys see that? Well, let's, uh, this is, hey, hashtag church in a museum, okay? So, okay, Paul was this guy who hated Christians, right? He did not, I'm never going to get through this message if those lights keep doing that. <laughs> like, I mean... 
Come on, how's it going to happen? I mean, like, first of all, let me just sidebar a second. If you've not been around for any length of time or you're new around here, things go off in this museum. Like, pilots start talking sometimes. The lights flicker, walkie-talkies go off. And so anyway, it happens, okay? And I get distracted during it. Okay, Paul. So this guy was a guy who was a religious kind of institutionalist of the time, and he hated Christians, okay? He hated them. He actually hunted them down and went after them and persecuted them. Thank God the media people are here, okay, so we can get this taken care of. That was Drew. He's our lead guy, like, right? He's going to take, take care of the lights. Um, but Paul was a guy who hated Christians, and then at one moment, he had an experience and an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. So Paul, on this other side of his life, hated Christians and then had an encounter with Jesus and became part of the Jesus movement. It's going to be, listen, if, there, if nothing else, it's going to be a fun message. Like, now are there any lights on? Doesn't matter. Okay. Just on me, right? Great. A big spotlight that I can't see any of you now. All right. So this is who Paul is, okay? Google him during the week if that didn't make any sense because of the dang lights, okay? This letter is from Paul, an apostle. He's talking to these Galatians. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but, don't miss this, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. And he was writing to these people, and he said, all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia, Okay? And the churches in Galatia, these Galatians, this book that we're looking at, the Galatians were amongst some of the earliest followers of Jesus. The Galatians were some of the earliest followers of Jesus that ever walked this earth, that ever were a part of what's going on here on this earth, right? And they were passionate about it. They understood that Jesus died for them. And they said yes to him. And then they went and understood that after they said yes to him, it was all about loving other people. And it was all about this movement that was going to transform, don't miss this, transform humanity. But there was a problem. Because, let's just face it, there's always problems. But they quickly, this was the problem, messed it up and turned from faith. So these people who were a part of the Jesus movement, this radical new love your neighbor as yourself movement, they quickly messed it up and they quickly turned away from their faith. And Paul was in these letters about to address them and about to deal with them and what they were going through, right? So I started to ask myself a question. Hey, these Galatians, right? How did they turn from faith? How, so the, how did they turn away from this Jesus movement? How did they turn away from the Jesus movement? The Jesus movement that was so pure and rooted in love and so authentic and real and adopting kids in the middle of the street who didn't have homes and loving your neighbor as yourself and giving of yourself to other people and laying your life down for others. How did they turn away so quick from this movement, right? Because, see, they understood because they saw it firsthand that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah that they were waiting for, that should they say yes to believing in him, that they would be made right with God the Father, this ever-present creator of the universe, that they're never going to even understand what that means. But if they said yes, they would be made right with God the Father. How did they turn away from this? How did they turn away from this such a pure movement that was rooted in one thing? It was rooted in this. It was rooted in love. How did the Galatians so quickly lose their faith? What happened to them? Why did this happen? Why was Paul having to address this early church, this group of people, this group of people who had turned from their faith? Well, let me take you down a historical journey, which is, I think, important for us to understand. 
Because a lot of times we understand the Jesus stuff and we're kind of all, you know, on that page together, but we don't understand the old way of how people did things, right? We don't understand what happened and, and how they actually got connected with God before Jesus was here. Because before Jesus walked the earth and made things right with humanity and God, should we believe in it, historically, the way people became close to God was by what? Following the law. We talked about this when Moses went up the mountain, another guy, Moses, got the Ten Commandments from God, and then those ancient Jewish people, those ancient Israelites, not only did they take the Ten, but they made more laws. They made more things that you had to do to be made right with God. In fact, there ended up being 613 of these laws. And should people historically, should they just follow the law that, that is how they became closer to God? It's so important for us to understand this. But when Jesus came, that all changed, right? And so I started to ask myself, what were some of these laws? You know, we talk about them a lot, and we understand the honor your father and mother, and we get a couple of those things, right? But what were some of these other laws, these 613? So I started to look them up. And wouldn't you know, I mean, there's some interesting ones. Like, for example, okay, in Leviticus 3.17, it says you cannot eat blood, okay? You don't want to eat blood. And I would tell you, this would be a problem for me, okay? It may even, like, weird some of you out that this is on the screen, but let me tell you, this would be a problem for me, okay? Because I'm a ribeye guy, okay? And that's what I like to eat, okay? And this was my steak. It's steak 954 on the beach. If you haven't gone, you should go a couple of weeks ago, right? And it was unbelievable. And I got it cooked medium rare, and it came out medium rare. And sure enough, like it says in Leviticus, don't eat blood. And I would be, out, I would be disqualified. I wouldn't be in the, even in contention, right? But I love my steak. So here's, here's another one that says, right? Another law. Letting your hair become unkempt. Leviticus 10, 16. It says you can't do this. Now, I don't know about you. But have you been to the Department of Motor Vehicles recently? Okay? Like, I mean, because there's a lot of people out there with unkempt hair. People not following the law. I love this one, right? This is so good. Eating or touching the carcass of any seafood without fins or scales. Leviticus 11, 10 through 12, right? Eating or touching the carcass of any seafood without fins or scales. I mean, there's some wild laws, right, that people had to follow to get close to God. Here's another one that I love, right? You want to do something this week? Check out Leviticus 18. Now, if you're a teenager in the room and you're here, I apologize for this. You can go home and ask your parents about it. You know, go home and ask your parents about it in a little bit. But um, in Leviticus 18, it lists a number of people that you are not to have sexual relations with. And it lists them. Just like, go read it. It's interesting. And you're not to, like, have it with, like, your mother-in-law or, like, your sister's, like, first cousin or your Aunt Betty. And, like, I don't know, like, who's wanting to have sex with their Aunt Betty. But, like, it says this in Leviticus 18. Don't do this, okay? And so it lists out, like, all this kind of stuff. There were some wacky laws. I'm telling you, go read Leviticus 18 this week and you will just have a good kind of chuckle. It's good. Here's the problem, okay? Here's where the problem comes in. This is where the Galatians were addressed by the Apostle Paul, okay? The problem was the Galatians were starting to add these laws back into their faith. And Jesus came in and he said, wait, wait, okay, there is no law anymore. I'm coming to complete the law, to fulfill the law. I am the law. Believe in me, that's your law. Love other people. That's your law. But the problem was that the Galatians were starting to say to people, listen, gang, you cannot even get, don't miss this. This is is so key. You cannot even get close to Jesus. You cannot be a part of us or the Jesus movement unless you do some of these things. They were going back to the law as requirements, as requirements. You You can't even get close to Jesus. You can't know him. You can't be a part of us and what we're doing unless you do some of these things. 
And their big thing was circumcision. And I'm going to talk about that next week. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, you can go ahead and Google that. Please do not do it on the museum Wi-Fi. That'd be unwise, okay? But here's, like, and so we're going to talk about that next week and what that looks like. But, but the Galatians were saying to people, unless you are this, unless you follow these laws, you cannot be a part of this movement. And Paul says, boy, boy, boys, boys, girls, hold on. Whoa, there's only one good news. But, but don't get confused here, gang. There's how many good news is, is there? There's only one. Guys, there's only one good news. Don't, don't get confused. Don't be going back to this old way. And here is the good news. Don't miss this. The good news is the gospel. The good news is that Jesus walked this earth, claimed to be the Messiah, died, and then proved he was God when he rose from the grave. Believe in that, then go love other people. That's the good news. Don't get confused by this whole thing, right? Don't get confused by all of these laws. Don't go back there. You don't want to go back there. There's only one good news. And so once Paul kind of figured out what was going on in Galatia, in this early church, called, and these people called the Galatians, boy, he reamed him, and he was hot. And I love when they, like, people in the scripture get angry, right? Because they're just so justified in what they're doing. In Galatians 1, 6 and 7, it says this, I am shocked, Paul goes, I am astounded. How could you do this? How could you turn away so quick? I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the what? The good news, but it is not the good news at all. Don't put any of that stuff back in. It's gone. We're done with that. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. I say it again, and I've said it before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be what? Cursed. Wow. That's how severe the language was. That's how serious Paul was. But as I was reading through this, do you want to know what broke me? Do you want to know where I landed in terms of what I wanted to say to you this morning? In terms of what I could see going on with these Galatians and what we could learn from them today? This is what broke me. The local church of today is a lot like the Galatians. It is putting in new laws that aren't even laws that keep people away from God, that keep people who desperately want to know their creator, the creator of the universe, that keep people away from knowing God and who he is. Making up, don't miss this, and I love this, and you can tweet this if you want because this is so good and they're gonna, the church doesn't like me anyway, so like, oh, this is great, okay? Making up, don't miss this, nonsense that puts barriers between people and God. Nonsense. Things that have nothing to do with the Jesus movement. Things that have created a country club mentality for people to just come in and be a part of this club that they can join. This is how serious it was. And do you know where this started? This started with the Galatians. It started all those years ago when the Galatians were like, we, you can't come in here unless you are this. Unless you have this, you can't come in. The local church of today says the exact same thing to people, which is why a group of us a year and a half ago started Downtown Harbor Church. Bottom line. And I believe this with all my heart because we asked people when we started. This was so key. We asked people, hey, what do you not like about church? What do you hate about church? And you know what we found out? Here's what we loved. We loved that people actually came up to us and they said, you know, 
I don't have a big problem with God or Jesus. We might not even agree on every single issue in the scripture, right? Even all of us don't agree here. But I don't have a problem with God or Jesus. You know what I have a problem with? The local church. That country club that won't let me in their door unless I sign the membership application. That's what I have a problem with. And so when we started Downtown Harbor Church, we did something that I consider to be really cool. And we're like, we asked people, hey, what don't you like about church? In fact, we use a stronger word than that. What do you hate about church? And then what we did is we wrote those things down that had common themes, and we took them away. And we said, we are never, ever going to do these things. And there are five of them. And this is why I talked about this was so important for us to understand as a church together who we are. Granted, we, are, we might not agree on everything in this room, and that's okay. We're always going to not agree on stuff, but there are a couple of things that we can't agree on. And so one of the things that we did was we asked people, what were the things you hated about church? And then pulled them away. Number one, they told us they hated. It was a waste of time. What a waste of time it is to come into a local church. I don't feel like I get connected. And that guy on stage or girl on stage with a microphone has absolutely no idea what he or she is talking about. It's like watching pointless blather. Okay, so here's, you guys can hold me accountable for this. This is good. If I'm ever up here and you leave and you go, I don't know what the heck the guy was talking about today. Someone tell me, okay, because I want to know because we're never going to do that here. We want you to hear exactly what we say here on stage on Sunday and put it into practice in your life on Monday. There should be practical application because we believe the words of Jesus specifically are transformative to your life and can transform your home and your community. So we never, can you tell I'm passionate today? I'm fired up. I don't know if it's the lights or me or whatever it is, but I'm fired up. Okay? We never want this to be a waste of your time. Want to know the second thing that we're never going to talk about at Downtown Arbor Church that people told us they hate that we took away? It's a big one. Get ready. Politics. And oh boy, are we in a season, are we not? But at Downtown Harbor Church, we're not going to talk about it. And no politician's feet will ever grace this stage. You want to know why? Because we do not have a political agenda here. 50% of you in this room are Republicans, 50% of you are Democrats, and 50% don't care if there's 150%, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. We're never going to bring people up here to do that. And for so long, I have watched local churches parade politicians across their stages to forward their own agenda, and people hate it. We're never going to do it at Downtown Harbor Church. Here's the next one, which I think is so key. This is so kind of emotional, too, so just stay with me. People told us that they hated conditional acceptance. It was this idea that there was a bar, and to join us, you have to be like us. I don't even know what that means, because we're all different. We all have different views on things, and we all dissect things a little bit differently. But this is the exact reason that Downtown Harbor Church does not have church membership. Don't miss this. Most churches in America, they kind of set the bar, and they have church membership, and you have to go through a class and sign a form. And then if you don't agree on this or this or this, you can't sign that form. And we want your signature and your money, okay? Conditional acceptance. See, at Downtown Arbor Church, we believe that you need to come in right where you're at. And that God, more specifically, the Holy Spirit, will do a work in your life should you let him. And you should. And that's what we believe. Conditional acceptance is something that we just cannot stand. And it's in all these places out there. Gosh, it drives me nuts. Here's the fourth one. One of our DNA things at DHC. Fake. One of the things that you're going to see, whether you like it or not, is you're getting the real me, and you're getting the real people who are out there. I'm going to air my dirty laundry. In fact, John, the guy who does the crappy announcements, he told me, he one time, he's like, you know, maybe you're, you might be throwing a little bit too much of your dirty laundry out there on the stage. You might want to, you know, rein it in a little bit. I said, no. 
<laughs> he was kidding. He goes, um, this, is, this is who I am. This is, this is me. You're never going to get the, the dishonest me, whether you like it or not. And you don't have to like it, but you're just going to get the truth. You're going to get the honesty. I have been a part of organizations where people, between their services on a Sunday, change their dang clothes because one is traditional and one is contemporary. And so when I spoke one time, I'll never forget, someone said to me, they said, uh, so did you bring your costume change like for between first and second service? And I said, no. And they said, well, you need to. I said, then I'm not speaking. I'm not doing that. They said, well, what are you going to wear? I said, I don't know. Whatever I want when I get up in the morning, I'm going to wear it and be here. Because you know why? Because I don't want to be fake. So often in churches, people kind of sit back and they go, the same person that I met on Sunday is not the same person that I just saw on Monday. And that's not us, not here. Downtown Harbor Church, we've taken this away. And then lastly, this is so key for us to understand. Lastly, one of the things that we're never going to be is inward focused. This is why we don't put on our own events. It's a key part of our strategy. People ask us, when's your Easter egg hunt? When's your, you know, daddy-daughter dance? Mm -mm. Every church in America is already doing that stuff. So we want to be different. So what we said was, and we've told people this, this blows their minds in terms of people starting churches. We've said, we are only going to go to events that the city already does and puts on, which is why you see us go across the street to the Fort Lauderdale Jazz Festival today, which is why next Thursday night, we're just going to collectively go and hang out at Brass Tap at DHC Nights. Go, it's fun. These people are an amazing group of people who come to Downtown Harbor Church. They're awesome. Just hang out and be a part of it. And yeah, it's kind of weird for the first time, but go, join us. It's going to be so fun. We're all going to be there, okay? Here's the deal. We took all these things away because people told us they are barriers between me knowing a God that I know wants to love me. I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with Jesus. I got a problem with the local church. And you know what? I said back, me too. That's why we did this. The book of Galatians, this book, is the foundation for the vision of DHC, which is why it's so important and so key over the next couple of weeks that we understand this together. Because next week, we're going to have a big conversation about people who aren't like us and different than us and what that looks like and why it's so important to embrace others. And we're going to talk about that next week. But the problem is, if you look at the actual message of Christ, if you look at what Jesus came to this earth to do, the problem is, is the local church does not actually represent that the way that they should. The local church, dare I say, has twisted the news of Christ. Did he say that? Yes, I did. And don't care. Just don't put my Twitter handle on it. Put John's. Okay, somebody else. All right. Okay, no, here's, here's the deal, right? The local church has twisted the news of Christ, and the news of Christ was so simple. So simple. Guys, I'm here. I'm the risen Messiah. I've made it. Now I'm going to prove to you that I am. So I'm going to go die, but don't worry, I'm coming back. You're doing what? I'm coming back. And he did. And all you have to do then is believe and then go love. What if it was that simple? What if it was that simple? And the Galatians started to put the old law back in and Paul had it with them. He said, don't do that. You don't have to do that. What's the news of Christ that's so simple? Here it is, John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then he said this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he goes, hey, by the way, you know how you do that? Watch this. He goes, the second is equally important, just as important as the first one. 
loving God. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Some of you who I know better than others have come up to me before and you've said, hey, you know what? You say this a lot around here. You say this thing quite a bit about this love your neighbor as yourself thing. And I say, mm-hmm. Uh, well, I didn't say it. Um, so they were like, you, say, you say it kind of often. And I said, yes, I do. And I'm going to keep saying it. And let me tell you why. Because I want to be very careful to not minimize what Jesus maximized. And this is what he maximized. So I'm going to say it a lot. And you're going to sound, I'm going to sound like a broken record. And some of you aren't going to like it. That's okay. Have a mimosa before you come in. That's totally fine. You can do that. Okay. I don't care. We're, we're cool that around here. Go, but here's, here's, here's the truth. Jesus said it. This is it, guys. This is all that it is. It's believing in love. That's it. And we've muddied it up and messed it up. Those things, the waste of time, politics, fake, conditional acceptance, inward focused. We've taken those things away so that for the first time in people's lives, they can actually have a fighting chance at knowing who God is through the love of Jesus. But the problem is, because there's always a problem, I say that a lot, is the local church has twisted the good news of Jesus. And people were doing it thousands of years ago, and they're doing it today. And I'm not saying these people are bad people or misintentioned. This is just what my experience has been. And maybe yours has been too. People will try to twist the news of Christ. Follow the truth. Follow the truth. That's how key it is. I'm going to say this. Just because I feel like it. The lights were on today and so I can see you. Which is interesting because normally I can't. It's like some of you are like glowing. Like it's so odd being up here. You have no idea. I need to take a picture of it when I come back out. Um, some of you have sat here for a long time and have yet to even say yes to the good news of Jesus, what Paul's talking about. And you need to do it. I stood up here and told you that it was the best decision in my life that I've ever made to say yes to Jesus. It's time. Because you're going to sit here for a long time and you're going to learn and you're going to grow and you're going to try to figure it out. Some of you in this room today needs to be that day. I'll be as blunt as I can. And I'm generally not in preacher mode around here at the downtown Harbor Church, okay? You know me. But here, this is what you need to do. You just say yes, because then you understand that it's all about yes and love. Don't listen to that noise of people twisting the good news of Jesus. Follow, don't miss this. Follow the truth. Let me pray. Father, thank you for who you are and what you do. And God, I pray that if there's anybody in here today in this room who just needs to, for the first time, open their heart and say yes to you, that they would just do that right now. In just a very simple moment that they would just say, Jesus, yes, I believe that you are who you say that you are. Enter my life. Change me. Make me a person that's just filled with love. And God, I know that you're hearing and answering that prayer. And God, I just pray that you would surround this room for the next few weeks and bless us as we talk about the DNA of our church, what we love so much. And God, I just pray that you would guide us and help us and keep us in everything that we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.